1: Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson.
2: I am too beautiful to bear. <laughs> Alan Siler. Oh, I
1: didn't prepare for that. I, 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 I don't have a funny quote. And Veronica Daschle. Hi. And this is a belated celebration for us. We just crossed our 60th episode uh, last week. Um, and, you know, our tradition on the show is that every 20 episodes, we'll go through the 20th episode of each of the Star Trek series um, and compare and contrast them and see and see what that random selection of episodes looks like and how the, the series are progressing. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the 60th episode of each of the Star Trek series that has gotten that far. Um, starting with is in there... It, what, what's the first one, Keith? <laughs> <The> original
2: <laughs> series. That, you would mess them up. <laughs> I know. Is there, a, is there in truth no beauty? Perfect.
0: <laughs> so when when I first when Chuck was reading off the list, I was like, oh, that's uh-huh. the one that Keith always talks about.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That you always yeah. mention. <laughs>
1: well, it's come up a lot and over the last few weeks because you have zero the Medusa now on yeah. Prodigy, and so I I had just rewatched this like six months ago before Prodigy came out. Yeah, uh, to sort of refresh my memory on the Medusans, and this mm-hmm. this is an episode where like all the cool weird stuff sticks in my mind, yes. and the stuff I don't care for so much, uh, I'm 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 surprised again every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah, because there's some stuff in this that really doesn't work.
3: Yeah,
2: well, let's
1: so, let, let's start with that. What okay. do you think doesn't work? I think that if someone comes to your work for business, and you stand up in the meeting and say. I just want to mention how beautiful you are. Oh, I know the most beautiful (laughs) person. Like, you imagine that meeting? Like, you would be escorted out. You know, (laughs) like that would be. I feel
0: like that would even happen in the '60s. Yeah, like Like, if there's a secretary in there taking the notes, and someone stands up and just starts talking about how beautiful she is. How did the
1: men of Earth let you get away? Like, uh, calm down. (laughs) uh, This is a place of work here.
2: Right. Well, one, of the, one of the things is, and, I, and I, this is something even as a kid, I've always wondered about. It, it's a weird term. Does the term "ugly" quote unquote mm-hmm. really apply to what medusans are? When I was a kid, I cannot remember I the don't same. Get my, that. yeah. I was a kid. I read a science fiction story, and I cannot remember what it was to save my life. But long story short, is it a woman was born with a natural ability to phase into another dimension, or no? The the United States government created a machine that could phase into another dimension, like fourth or fifth dimension. And because our perceptions were nothing like that, you would go mad just seeing that dimension. Mm. And I always assumed the Medusans were not, because ugly is such a weird term. I always assumed like there were some kind of other dimensional beings or something that our minds couldn't comprehend, almost yeah. like... And TNG, when they created that weird um, mathematical pattern that they were going to use to kill the Borg, because their their processors mm-hmm. couldn't process it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I think to you guys' point, they were really leaning into how beautiful she was versus mm-hmm. how ugly Colossus was, and yeah. it just yeah, it was it was really heavy handed that
1: part. Yeah, it, it was, and it and it didn't serve the characters well. No. Um, no. And uh, yeah, the, and I, I, have attributed it a lot of times. I attribute it to just sexism of the day. Like it was just a oh, really absolutely. badly written episode, mm-hmm. but this episode was, I, I was, I was reading about it this week was written by a lady who was a fan and a librarian and she submitted some scripts to star Trek and her, right. her two writing credits are star Trek scripts. And so now I'm, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's, maybe she was rewritten that happened, that did happen quite a bit, but I mean, also there was a phenomenon in sort of fan fiction writing, particularly back then of sort of that self insert character. <laughs> um, famous, famously the mary sue character from the fan films our fan 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 of uh fiction and so i'm wondering too i mean you have miranda jones who comes on the ship and everyone is everyone's in love with her and everyone's going crazy over her you know right, what i mean right Th- there could be some of that as well so i don't know i don't know i don't know who to blame but <laughs> <laughs> i ain't care for
3: it <laughs> well i mean it's it's kind of the time you know i mean yeah. i think even though it was a woman writing it and a woman who was a fan, I think that she's writing for what television was doing at that time. Sure. And certainly Star Trek, mm-hmm. you know, okay. and I don't it's think it's usually Trek... this blatant, though. I, I at know. times, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay. I, I first of all, I just want to say uh, hello to all the people who are watching. Hi, people. Hi. Um, hello. If you have tell any comments, hush. If you have any comments or questions, <laughs> drop them in the comments thingy, and we'll get to them as quickly as we can. Okay, now Veronica, you can say whatever you want.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say tell us that you're here, but then I, I know, but Chuck to get into the comments because he's on the private chat right now.
1: What are you talking about? So oh, the
0: comments. <clears throat> there you go.
1: All right. Hey, there's to-
0: someone here. Woohoo! Hey. No, wait. I that's w- streamyard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey. Okay. Facebook hey, there's
0: user? Facebook users here.
1: Is that awesome. Chuck? No. no. Oh, oh,
0: hey. Hi, Facebook Hi. user. Hey,
1: Facebook user. Hello. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> okay. So, weird. It's Back to the discussion. Okay. Where um. You know what? I like how, like, Ralph Sineski directed this. And yes. the yeah. that I always remember about this episode is just how weird and, like, the strange editing and the, like, fisheye lens stuff when he's going yes. crazy. Right. And the weird way things are cut together when, like, it's like descending into madness in the end. And that's the that's the part of this episode that I do like that I right. think works really well. Yeah. And I, I and I love when Kalos is in Spock's body. And I that always stuck with me since I was a kid when he was marveling at the simplicity of human speech. Right. And yet how much yes. we rely on it. And yet, are any of you really its master? I, I think that's right. just some really well written stuff. And I that's the part of the episode that I like. And I tend to mm-hmm. fast forward when <laughs> the other parts are going on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think, really
2: <laughs> I think it's a, I think that like almost every single episode of the original series, there's something I can take from it. Like you said, something philosophically and scientifically. Mm-hmm. And I the word ugly troubles me, but I'm just going to think they're meaning other like other dimensional or something. But the concept right. of a of a being or a creature that exists such that the human mind can't comprehend it and will drive you m- mad was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I think is really fascinating is the energy barrier came back up again. And that's right. That's right. Yeah, Lawrence took them through the barrier. It was so weird. Also thought it was really cool that they were exceeding warp eight, warp nine and kept on going. And so they went back through the barrier. So I thought it was really cool they mentioned the distortion that they encountered and how cool it was that Kolos within like 30 seconds. Got him back and Chekhov even said, We're so close, the difference is not even worth mentioning. So I thought that was pretty cool. And but but one of the things you guys talk about, the sexism, I thought there was something very interesting, not just the fact that everybody was almost everybody was hitting on her and was really enamored with her. There was a thing where there was a whole bunch of she wasn't a human, and there was there was this implication, she wasn't a woman. Cause Kirk even they all make these Kirk mm-hmm. made little comments about you know, you're not a woman, you're a whatever. And and Lawrence, uh, taught, Marvick basically said she was a machine. It was completely different. And I wonder if a man had been in that role, would those comments have come out like that?
1: <laughs> no. a, a lot of this would be different if that oh, was a man. yeah. Come on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they would not have been <laughs>
1: telling Larry Marvick that he was too beautiful to work with Colos. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yeah. So they, they pushed it, but they pushed a lot of that. And I thought that was a little extreme. But But the basic concepts... Of of a being you can't comprehend, and even and I thought I was really fascinated with a natural human telepath. And I remember mm-hmm. as a child watching it; it was fascinating because people don't think about this. Where she said that she had to look intern on Vulcan so that she could learn how not to read thoughts. Right. And yeah. some, you know, a lot of times, we, when I, especially when I was a kid, telepathy was almost like the telepaths reached out and grabbed mm-hmm. your thoughts. But this is indicating no, the thought you're broadcasting, so they have to learn how to tune that noise out. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating.
3: I also yep. enjoyed uh, that she not necessarily felt threatened by Spock's presence, but that she mm-hmm. was she was that her insecurity, you know, that mm-hmm. he could take her place. Yep. Like she right. has this special relationship with Colos and here is someone who could
1: replace her. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. that was
3: really I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, they're, they're lucky, too. I mean, you got to be careful having a telepath on your ship and going through the galactic barrier because that, that that goes poorly <laughs> sometimes. So <Yeah. laughs> they're certain they're danger right there. Um, and, yeah, like Facebook user points out that, um, yeah, they, they were able to reuse the stock footage, you know, yeah. of yes. uh, going through the barrier. And they're a little vague about what's going on. They entered a space time continuum at some point. You know, it's, it got a little strange. But yeah. um, and the, they, the point is that the ship was in danger.
3: And they they didn't even need protective bubbles to get through the barrier.
1: (laughs) Well, they didn't need to stop and talk about
3: anything. Well, (laughs) they didn't need an entire episode to do it either. (laughs) This
1: is true. All
2: right. All right. Sorry, disco.
1: (laughs) Let's move on to Next Generation. Keith, what is the Next Generation episode that we're talking about?
2: Next Generation is the high ground, the one that is a really thinly disguised, disguised allegory for IRA. Yeah. Yeah. What does everybody think? It's weird. Hey
0: Matt hey, Sweatman oh, Facebook user. Hey Matt, what's up? Hey, yeah. Facebook
3: user, Matt Sweatman. Secret Matt. identity, Matt Sweatman. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us. It's yes. a pleasure to have you.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, I, so what go ahead. I like this episode because it's season three and I like season three. Um, mm-hmm. I thought yeah. it's a little heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I look at shows that you have to think about when they were written, when this was written and when it came out, this was really kind of Borderline radical for a science fiction television show uh, to talk yeah. about things like the IRA, um, to have Finn give that, that that speech to Crusher, where he basically says he's no different from George Washington. And she's outraged. And he, <laughs> he talks about if you win, you're a general. If you lose, you're a terrorist.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, right.
2: But I thought it was I – th- I, it still ha- holds up. It's a little heavy, but I still enjoy it. I, I love the dimensional shift concepts, which I thought were just fascinating mm-hmm. about. Yeah, the show. I
0: really I really like that they had a consequence for doing it. Yes. A lot of the yeah. times they do that in science fiction and, like, there's no consequence. But your yeah. body's going into another dimension and then coming back. Yeah. Why is there no consequence?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I paused it halfway through this episode. I told Frank what I need to do is just – Give everyone on the ship a phaser and say if you hear a noise and a flash of light, <laughs> just stun them. Don't go huh? until they start shooting at you. Never yeah. very surprised that people are appearing. And that ha- you're you're in the 24th century. Like people appear sometimes. If they don't belong there and they're holding a gun, take action.
3: Yeah
2: that, one, <laughs> yeah, that one dude that was walking with the lady and he stood there yes. and they shot him. And then she kind of she darts around the corner real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was, was kind of funny.
0: It was very strange. And I also don't understand what they were fighting for. It was like well, independence. independence.
1: Yeah. separatist, yeah. yeah. So
0: why is the other side so against it that they are allowing, that they continue to fight against it even even though there's all this fighting. Well, I think that's it realistic. So I mean,
1: I mean, I mean, Russia invaded Ukraine this week and Ukraine <laughs> has been a country for like 30 years, Yeah, you know? because yeah. they feel like that's their land. And right. Ukraine. They, they, they to this day, Russia refuses to acknowledge Ukraine as a sovereign country because it used to be part of the USSR. And historically that land was what they see as their land. I mean, it's the same way. Like, you know, if so if, In
0: if, in this case, the good guys are Russia.
1: Well, there's no real good guys in those. <laughs> I mean, n-
0: no, not really.
1: <laughs> you know, like I mean, every th- I think this episode does a good job of painting everybody's point of view. Yeah, you know, uh, like you know what, this episode 35
3: years ago was so woke.
1: why are you pushing your politics on me man i just want science fiction
2: yeah Yeah. that's exactly that's not it back then this was this was a pretty probably pretty radical and and, and biting episode because it's really like north ireland and the rest of ireland and whether or not you want to be a member of the united kingdom if you look at um if you look at um ireland parts of ireland and scotland they have been fighting for independence or Agitating for independence, literally for centuries. I mean, we look at Braveheart, William Wallace, and stuff with Scotland. So it was kind of the same thing. Based on what you're saying, Veronica, it could just simply be they just wanted to have independence, and there's probably all kinds of other reasons they may have, they may have religious differences, they may have other differences. But I think the bottom line was they just wanted to be independent, and they felt like those other people were forcing them. Yeah, and I found it very interesting that the Federation came in and was helping the main power and we're instantly seen as help as, uh, abetting them. And it's basically the enemy of my enemy. And question was trying to tell Finn, no, we're just here doing trade and giving them medical supplies. And his point was, if you're helping them, you're our enemy. End of story. Yeah, um, basically. Right. But and I, I think I also, that's the mindset. Uh,
3: the, the thing about there Okay. I have a couple of points. One, mm-hmm. uh, they, um, painted Finn to be such a, you know, tough and radical dude. But in order to show him that he has a sensitive side, he sketches. He's, yeah, and that's, he's an so, that's so cliche. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> he's pretty good though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: and it, did, or right. and it drawing it for him was pretty good.
3: Well, yeah, but but who at what point in this war that has gone on most of his life did he sit down and actually learn to draw?
2: I
1: just want I day. don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it did lead into a morbidly funny line when she says, You should be drawing instead of killing. And he goes, I can do both. Exactly. That is a good line. <laughs> I did love that.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think this episode is really well written. And Melinda Snodgrass yeah. wrote this. I love her ah. episodes. And she was a big original series fan when she came <laughs> on to Next yep. Gen. And at one point, Dr. Crutcher says, We were on an errand of mercy, and I got it. <laughs> mm.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt Sweatman says, "Unless this is a different Facebook user, says I wonder if current audiences would relate to the Northern Ireland references."
1: Uh, I don't know. No. yeah, maybe not the same way, you know. Yeah, or, exactly. uh, I mean, but I mean, this sort of story is so universal that if this just came so out I'm now, worried. and people would think like, "Oh, now they're hammering the Ukraine thing," you know, like, yeah, it's um because yeah. these sort of stories have gone on throughout history. So I think it yeah. they may not get it as nor- as Northern Ireland, but yeah. I think that. I think this situation unfortunately will remain relatable.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: right. Shout out to my native Texas and Texas. There's always a Texas group that wants to be independent from the United States. So yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people can like, <laughs> identify with that. There was there was, I will say, as 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 with almost every show where Gates McFadden gets central work, centralized in the show, I'm amazed again what a good actress she is. Because oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. i've seen the show a lot because i really enjoy it the scene where she is almost she's pretty much literally begging finn not to destroy the enterprise is just yeah. tough because yeah. he's basically saying i'm sorry your son's on the ship and to see her as a mother about you know almost breaking down because mm-hmm. he's about to blow up the ship and mm-hmm. fortunately jordy had that little cutting tool or whatever and got the thing off the warp drive that's that's a really tough thing and and i and i did like it when he said i had a son as well and he was what 13 or 14 when he mm-hmm. died yeah in prison and that's the tough thing is he doesn't want to but he feels he has to
0: yeah, yeah.
2: and yeah. Um, yeah i mean
1: the anger feeling him is all he's got left you know yeah so he's fighting yeah. for mm-hmm. a cause and his son died mm-hmm. and, and right. like so there's no stopping him now he's got nothing else to live for right right you
3: know right Right. good episode so yeah. one other little thing and this is a <laughs> this is very minor compared to the heaviness that we've been discussing but um i, I feel like captain Jellico could not have got on that show quick enough because there's a scene where the bad guys bad guys show up on the bridge and they start shooting people and somebody goes down and troy like runs around to like see if he's okay and stuff and you know, she's in that big flowy blue dress. That's just like kind of floating behind her and she's running in her little high heels. And I'm like, Oh my God, why is she not in uniform? Yes. It just <laughs> looks so silly.
2: Alan, can I comment on that too? Cause I made a note on this. I'm glad you said that there's a couple of <laughs> things I, I noticed first off, what is this deal where war fires phasers and does full torpedoes. And then he has to reach over and pick a phaser up off his console and shoot, because if realized he was the security guy on bridge, and then he runs out from behind that big wooden console of his and gets shot. And I have forgotten how much the next generation wharf was pretty much pumped a lot yes, he was not yes. the best fighter and yeah. the other thing is boy i missed the original series and even the first season of tng where there were security guards on the bridge especially in crisis situations right and i remember scenes in the original series remember the the security guards would be standing already at attention but then when they go to red alert they really go to attention they'd step forward <laughs> they're really like ready that. now yeah they're really ready <laughs> and i'm thinking you need a security on board that on the yeah. bridge that was just yeah, insane yeah. Yeah, and, and and Picard doesn't usually get a lot
1: of action, but he got a good action
3: bit here <laughs> when
2: he tackled yeah. that
1: dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So that that's there we go. Thing. Precursor to the movie Picard.
1: That's right.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and, and one last thing. Um, yet another one of those for those who remember who watched this stuff when it was first aired, as I did. Another one of those Picard and um, Crusher saying, "If we don't make it out, there are some things I need to say to you." And then you're like, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? I mean, that happened more than (laughs) once in the series.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Unfortunately. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of that topic, let's go on to our DS9 episode.
0: (laughs) Alan's favorite.
2: Heart of Stone. Heart of Stone.
3: Okay. So I have mentioned a few times, well, probably twice, on previous episodes of ours that this episode really bugs me because I just don't like that whole, like, forced romance between Odo and Kira. And I just think it's silly. And th- this was the worst episode because
1: of that. So mm. having rewatched it this week, it really wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not. And, I mean, it helps that it has one of the best B stories in Star oh, Trek. The B yeah. story completely saves this episode. Yes. yes. And yeah. is and, and
3: it's the thing that makes this an important episode.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we talk a lot about... um Characters on Star Trek being how emotional they are and how, you know, in some way that's done today as that wasn't done in the old days. But, I mean, in this episode, both storylines, you had a, one of the characters break down crying in a big emotional scene. And I think in this episode, it really works for both Odo and Nog, because I think these they, they put the time in, in building these characters. Yeah. Exactly. So when each of them break down in this episode, I think it really resonates.
2: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So let me ask um, up front, how many of y'all ultimately did not like the Odo and Kira romance arc. Cause a lot of people seem not to like it. For okay, me, Alan, it depends on the episode.
1: Ah, okay. Like, I, in, in the one where he's like, bada bing, bada bang. Is that the one where he's in that <laughs> one that worked for me, but it does work for me during that arc during the doc, the, the, the occupation arc when yeah. he's right. She's desperately trying to get him and, and communicate with him. And, and he's, is, yeah. is so tied up with the female shapeshifter. You know what? It is, it I, I totally agree yeah. with that. And then also the episode um, where they find that the Defiant went back in time and Odo's been there for like two hundred years. That was yes. really worse for me too. Yeah. yeah, I
3: don't the 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 season six episodes that you're talking about though with the Dominion War and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I don't see that as romance though. I see that as like tight friendship. Like yeah. you know, I don't mm-hmm. see that as like a oh I love you and now you're you know screwing around with the the shapeshifter lady.
1: Right. Well, I think they, I, mean, I think it works because you, you know, going in that they have a little special bit of a relationship. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. just, it's not Odo and Bashir, you know?
2: Yeah. Right. And by then we know, we know clearly that Odo loves Kira and he's basically trying to use the shapeshifter as a substitute for Kira, physically at least. Mm. And then hey. he gets pulled into the great link and that gets him. My buddy Sharon is watching.
3: Hey. Hello. Yeah. A question
2: for us? Comments?
3: She, she liked it, but I don't know which one it is she's talking about that she liked. <laughs> yeah.
2: Let us know which one you liked. Yeah. Um, I thought that I thought that the thing with Odo and the and the, the female changeling was actually pretty good. And as you said, Alan, I like it. I've never disliked it, but I liked it even better this time. Kind of watching it, mm-hmm. there was a couple of times when she made some references that I wondered about. For example, she said she didn't want to give Julian the chance to basically show it, to brag about his medical ability. And I was kind of wondering how the female changeling got information to know that Julian was going to be so arrogant because that was her (laughs) at that time. Man, she's been watching everything. She's got spies
0: everywhere. She knows.
2: I guess so. And it's also interesting. I also wondered if Odo were better at being a changeling, could he, would he have been able to sense that she was a changeling? I don't know.
1: um, But... I do like Odo's detective skills coming out in this Yeah, where despite all the yeah. emotional turmoil he's going through and right. his desperation to save Kira, he works it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he figures out that it's not her. Um, right. right. And, and I, I, I love that they, 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 they leaned into his detective skills doing that, but also it was a relationship payoff because he knows like, you know, is he, I, I know you don't love me. So or I know Kira doesn't love me. Would
2: never say that. So who are you?
1: You know, mm-hmm. um, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One thing I kept r- thinking, and I've been thinking this ever since I've seen DS9, I read, I write this all the time is that the changelings have a horrible system of learning about other races. <laughs> and they brought this on themselves because <laughs> why wouldn't you just rate, you Well, know, what do they say? The drop becomes the ocean. The ocean becomes a drop. So whenever you create a new being like an Odo, you can't, train them for a while in the great link and then send them out because if you think about it they literally sent all those beings out forget how many they sent out to do this with no knowledge of what they were and the reason that odo was so fond of solids and the reason that he doesn't believe in his people or what they're doing is because he doesn't know his people are worth they're doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so they set this up for themselves yeah right that's
1: all he knows yeah But you could think, too, that it worked too well, because he really did learn by living amongst humans and solids, and he brought that information back
2: with him. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And really big spoilers, 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 guys, for DS9. But at the same time, time Charles, the interesting thing is, if you think about it, Odo is the reason the founders were infected, but also the reason that the founders were saved. Mm -hmm. Because Section 31 was going to kill the Founders. And I have to believe that if there were were never an Odo, Section 31 still would have found a way to create that virus. And it was Odo who basically was the one who was kind of the emissary. Because without him around to show that compassion, I think Section 31 would have just killed the Founders in the story. Mm. So in a way, the Founders saved themselves. And they were saved by the very compassion that they looked down upon in Odo, which comes much further in the thing yeah in the series well all
1: right before we get too far afield let's talk about the b story (laughs) Yeah. wow
2: nog i I love
1: i love the turn that nog's story takes in this i mean this is really when he becomes who i think of as earlier hey um you know i mean you got early nog who sort of uh, you know what the early version of nog was but then when you the the nog that i love is later nog and i think this is really the turning point here absolutely um and, he, and this could have been a goodbye to him on the show when he yeah. eventually joined Starfleet. But, I mean, this yeah. kicked off some of the best, you know, storytelling of a secondary character in science fiction history, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I remember um, when we had, Aaron Eisenberg was at um, Treklanta and he was mm-hmm. talking about this episode, he thought that he was being written off the show. Mm. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, he, he, he did think that was what was going to happen. Wow. <laughs> he didn't think he was going to come back after he actually, after he left
1: and this is a big development episode for rom as well and i forget it, that absolutely you know yeah that yeah he he stood up for him and he's like no you're not in charge of my son exactly you know exactly I,
2: I love the i love the the the, the really innocent exuberance that nog showed at first when he goes into cisco's office and he just puts all the Latinum on the desk and he kept shaking his hand all the way through the show which was really I, I love the shaking the hand <laughs> part yeah me too like, Yes, it was great. And I, he just yeah. sat there and said, you know, and he he, he babbled on about the Law lawn, how you basically have to buy a mentor. I thought that was so good. It, it was just so well acted. And mm-hmm. based on what you were saying also, Veronica, I remember that Aaron Eisenberg, from pretty much day one, was always ready for the axe to fall and him to be released mm-hmm. from the show because he was significantly older than Sirach Lofton. And yet they were supposed to play the same age and best friends. And so he was always worried that one day they were going to say, you know, this doesn't work. You look too old compared to Sirach. And then, as you said, when he was going to go to Starfleet, he thought they were going to write him out of the show. And then he comes back and has one of the greatest growth arcs in all the Star Trek.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I like that the, the task he gives them to... Um inventory the cargo bay yeah it's believable that he does a really yeah. good job at it because that's yes. that's his skill set you know that's what right. he's been doing since probably he could, he could walk and count is <laughs> yeah. working in the storeroom you know right um whereas if if it was like realigning the ice linear chips maybe that wouldn't <laughs> be quite as believable you know or, or whatever yeah exactly i didn't exactly. to do that yeah all yeah, right. Right. We we want gonna do- go ahead and go on to voyager yes
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: well so what's our voyager episode keith Darkling. Darkling. Wait a minute.
3: Let's (laughs) let's see what this comment is. DS9 had the best character arcs of any Star Trek series. Well, that is absolutely correct. and pretty much 100% across the board, every single character on DS9 got one of the greatest character arcs in all of Star Trek. That's
2: actually true. You're right. Yeah. I mean,
3: main cast, guest characters, every character was so well-developed. Absolutely.
0: I'm Mark
2: McRae, the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And if you're not listening to our podcast, then you're missing out on amazing interviews with
1: Larry Houston,
2: Tom Tatawanovich,
1: Keone Young,
2: Michael Swanigan,
1: Ned Hastings,
2: Bill Gollier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb,
1: and so many others.
2: Kick back and let Dan Clink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry.
1: The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms.
2: Darkling, all right. the doctor, darkling. The doctor. The darkling mess the doctor messes around with his program and becomes evil.
1: <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde, literally. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure I watched this when it aired because I was watching <laughs> all, all of them when it aired, but I have zero memory of this episode. So this is so one
0: that I hadn't seen in our
3: Yeah, it's nice to go back br- and watch br- it. Br-
1: what a there's, treat for you guys. <laughs> yeah.
3: There's no real reason for you to have remembered it, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: yeah. And I, know. I mean, I had forgotten that they were putting Kess in cat suits by the end. You know, <laughs> I'm used to cats yeah. in normal outfits, and I was like, "Wow, even Kess is in a cat suit." <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I mean, I th- I thought it was fun. It was. I thought it was fine. You know, it's yeah. a Star Trek episode. It's um, it's you know, one of our cast members gets to be evil this week. Yeah, you know, right, right. I do think some of the a- uh,
3: acting was a little cartoonish. From who? Yes. from Picardo. <laughs> <laughs> Who else would <will> it be? <laughs> <laughs> well, he,
2: he started out. I mean, he started out subtle, and then toward the end, you're he he got more like uh, Lon Chaney or Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like a yeah. Doctor Hyde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he went, Mr. He went Hyde, a little far. Yeah. Right when he first had Bellana in the sick bay, he was <laughs> really creepy. I love that. Man. Yeah, but later on, you're right. He was all but, if he had a mustache, he would have been twirled. Yeah, he's he almost like a little
1: punching <laughs> oh, yeah. and heavy breathing.
2: <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I, I was, I don't know why they, I mean, there's a lot of alien makeups on Star Trek, so I don't know why yeah. you'd have a, a race that looks almost like the Bajorans. Exactly. Yeah. While DS9's on. right Right, exactly but you know that reminds me too of of the
3: next gen episode where basically you know they're aliens because they don't even have any different facial features it's just a gray streak in their hair right that's true (laughs) true. (laughs) that was so lame but i mean they gotta save money somewhere yeah but this one was weird it was just like you know like you ordered a bajoran from wish
1: (laughs) right
0: yes
3: yeah
1: and I mean, like I said, it was, it, it was, it was fine. I don't find this episode objectionable or terrible right. or anything like right. that. It was, you know, a, a Star Trek episode of the week. Um, right. I do find it interesting that every one of the Voyager episodes that we've done on this 20th, the 40th, the 60th is very much a cast K- relationship episode. You know, oh, you have a low about that where Cass is becoming a woman. And now hmm. her adult boyfriend has to decide if he wants to have kids. And then you have the, the Tuvix one, where she's dealing with the fact that right. Neelix has been two and now you have this, <laughs> where she's three
2: years old now and can do what she wants. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, this, and this will be the last kiss that we would be talking about then, right? Because mm-hmm. she'll be she'll definitely oh. be gone by then. All right. Yeah, I, I thought it was really weird that the doctor mentioned that she might have been rebounding to the new guy because of her breakup with Neelix. It is so weird. Mm-hmm. Now, the relationship with Neelix was problematical and creepy and just ill-advised, no doubt about it. But it's really weird that everything about their breakup was off screen. And I mean, everything Mm. there was never, there was one comment Neelix made later, but there was nothing about them breaking up. All of a sudden they're broken up, which is fine, but it was just really weird at the same time. Mm.
3: Matt says this episode, like most of Voyager, I haven't seen since original airing, maybe time for a rewatch. Highly encouraged. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we were talking about the, the TOS episode, I wanted to mention how much I absolutely love Diana Muldor. and I love her in both her TOS appearances and in Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Um I I've seen her in one or two things outside of Trek, not a lot, but I just love her. So I, I want to carry that over now by just saying how much I absolutely love Kess. Yeah, me. Too. Always have. One Me of too. my favorite characters on the show, and I was so mm-hmm. sad when she left. Even though I loved Seven, and you know, and, and the more she went on, the more I loved her. But I just thought I just adored Kess, and uh, there were some very good Kess episodes. Yeah, and I was so sad when she was gone.
2: Yeah, Jennifer Lean was what she was maybe nineteen or twenty when she first came on the show. I thought she was three. Yeah. Well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, she she was she was one. That's she true. just turned one. <laughs> right, but exactly. She had,
2: she had a presence and a maturity well beyond her, her years mm-hmm. playing Kess. And I, I, I'm i like, you know, and I'm very sad that that character never worked out uh, because I really thought that she added a lot. I think bringing her in as Neil's girlfriend was was in some ways a fatal mistake Yep. Uh, at that mm-hmm. point in time. And I don't right. know if they knew how they could ever recover from that because I thought she was so good and she has so much potential and the, her relationship oh. with uh, Tuvok when her, her mental powers were developing was something that could have been explored. Mm-hmm.
3: But yes. I, I don't think it was the case of of the character never working out. I thought the character was fantastic. And and one of the things that I love about her is that she had that sort of really special relationship with Janeway. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And she, yeah. you see some of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. And, and it's mm-hmm. sort of a motherly sort of mentoring kind of relationship. And I just love that.
1: Yeah, I was going to yeah. mention that scene where she goes to Janeway mm-hmm. and says, you know, I've lived... All my life, almost on this ship, and right, and and really at that point, why? Because she's not going to Earth. She doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so to her, the options are open. Like, well, maybe this is where I get off. Right.
3: Yeah. You know, I I did find it kind of sad that. Right. <laughs> I did find it sad that uh, once <laughs> <laughs> once Voyager once Voyager did get home, none of the uh, Delta Quadrant aliens that had been traveling with them made it home with them. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that somebody would have liked to have met a Talaxian. Sure. Yeah.
2: Go it to, would have been interesting. Go to earth and do yeah. press tours. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I thought something I thought was weird too. And, and, and it, it, it almost, it, it almost feels like, like you said, Charles, it's not an objectionable show, but it feels like, I don't know if they, it was a rush or if they just wanted to do a, a Jekyll and Hyde thing, yep. because one of the things that was missing to me at the end was even though he wasn't truly, he wasn't, consciously responsible for what he did, the things that the doctor did to Bolana were pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, she just basically says, Is there anything else you need? And she and he says, Thank you with a great contrition. But there was to me uh, there was lacking a conversation about what he had really done to her, even though he didn't And, and need that happens what? in Star Trek a lot. Like yeah, you know, one weird. of my
1: co-workers went crazy or possessed or whatever <laughs> tried to murder me. Like it, it, you don't just show up to work the next day and be like, hey, hey I'm glad you're back, buddy. You know yes. like, I mean <laughs> He, he
3: committed attempted murder. I mean, he yes. pushed a guy off a of effing cliff.
2: Yeah.
3: And right. I mean, there, I know you're a hologram and stuff, but my God, there's got to be some kind of address to that situation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Drainway, Drainway didn't even give him a dressing down for altering his program right. without permission. Right. Right. So,
3: so I and, thought that was lacking. I mean, and, that in itself is a good conversation because, you know, everyone has a chance to better themselves and to educate themselves and so he's you know he should have that right too but yeah you know so yeah, uh, did I, we uh, ever learn kes's fate after she left the ship no uh
1: i mean she yeah like uh i mean didn't she become an energy being at the end something like that
0: yeah she showed up in a later episode at one yeah. point oh yeah 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 the later episode angry angry kiss
3: oh i hated that episode so much (laughs) i felt like they ruined my
1: favorite character on the show yeah well yeah and they sort of jettisoned her in favor of seven of nine (laughs) deactivate him for 20 years to life (laughs) but talking about how you know on voyager you know and and most star trek you know that, that those things happen all the time where somebody gets possessed or whatever and tries to kill you right but you know the one who did um, addressed that was on DS9. We're talking about how well of that course. show was written right. when Nog refused to walk behind Garrick. Or walk, walk in front of Garrick. He wasn't going to turn his back yes. on Garrick because of that yeah. time Garrick went crazy and tied him up. And he was like, I yeah. can walk with you, but I'm not turning my back on you again. Yeah. You know? yeah. Th- that it did come up again. So
2: it's possible. you know. Yeah. true. It needs to be really well written. Absolutely. That was a very good one. And then the annals of, annals of uh, Star Trek people turning evil, then... This one is not as good as uh, The Enemy Within, I think. Okay. And I even like uh, Leonard Nimoy playing um, Enoch in uh, Return to Tomorrow. Yeah. When the energy being taken over and he's basically, he's really kind of hamming up the evil stuff. But I actually like that. I like the, the first half of the Doctor's performance as evil was good. But yeah, toward the end, he was really going overboard. Yeah. Well, so to be fair to... to-
1: To Picardo, it's usually an opportunity for the actor to ham it up. You know, like like wasn't subtle when he was evil either.
0: (laughs) Oh God! (laughs) But
3: but there was very little subtlety in the in the original episode or original Uh, series, anyway. Well,
1: I I would argue that, but we don't have time. I know (laughs) that'll be another day. (laughs) All (laughs) right, so a whole
2: topic unto itself. (laughs) That's right. Let's move on to Enterprise, Keith. Enterprise. Twilight. I started to to say Memento, but Twilight.
1: <laughs> and this one, I think I actually had never seen. I, I'm, wow. I'm familiar wow. with the premise, and I've seen, but I was, I, I, I mean, I've told you guys before, I fell off during Enterprise. That's, yeah, that's where I got off the train. I, I stopped watching during season two, and then I came back for season three, couldn't get into it. Came back again for season four, but there's gaps in there that I haven't seen. So I was watching this, and I was like, you know what? I've seen screen caps, and I know the basic premise, but I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched this. So that was wow. nice. What do yeah. you think? Uh, I liked it. I mean, I don't. I think this premise has been done better on Star Trek before but I think the, the actors did well I mean this it doesn't compare with something like the visitor where you get an alternate future you know yeah. um, and then and then trying to change it but, but I mean it's not fair to compare it to the visitor but, you know what I mean <laughs> yeah um, and Future perfect had a, a similar premise as
0: well mm-hmm.
3: although the, yeah. d- a
1: different twist at the end I love future imperfect
3: yeah that's one of my favorites but I think this one I think this one is important to mm-hmm. the uh, season that it's in the the whole Zindi. War and all that stuff because um as opposed to uh the the visitor, is that the one we were yeah, the visitor, yeah, no, where you right. see you know Jake's life down the road and, and all that stuff. This I think is so important because you're in the middle of this uh fight to keep this alien race from destroying your home planet, mm-hmm. and this shows you exactly what would happen if that were to take place. They come. And destroy Earth, just like they say they're going to. But what you don't know is that once they've done that, then they hunt down every human they can find. Every outpost, every colony, and they wipe it out. So I, I I love this episode because of that. Because it shows you that you're fighting, or at least it shows the audience because the characters don't retain the knowledge. But it shows you that the stakes are even higher than you thought they were. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I did like it. I thought Jolene Blaylock
1: was pretty good in this. She,
3: right. Yeah. I think that yeah. uh, season three and four is where she absolutely shines. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I
2: think the, I think um, one thing you said, uh, Charles, about liking, I went, and Alan, what you said, one note I made was as good as this was, it would have more resonance if you were completely familiar with the Zindi arc. Right, right, right. Because there's much more excitement there. The other note I made, and I've watched this episode, or I've watched this season several times. I guess now we have an unfortunate real life parallel is I keep going. The Vulcans sat back and did not do a whole lot to help protect earth from extinction because they just, they sat back. I mean, T'Pol left the high command to be on the enterprise and honestly they got help from Shran, but the Vulcans not, I'm not, not, the Andorians I'm not going to say as much because they weren't the ones who mentored earth for almost a century, but the Vulcans mentored earth for a century and then they knew that a race was bent on destroying the planet and all humans. And the Vulcans never got involved. And mm-hmm. I can never understand is that because why? That were they afraid of a war with the Zindi? Right. Or is it was it, you know was it like Q in uh, TNG where he says to Picard when the Borg are discovered, it, "You said you thought you could handle it. Now handle it." Right, um, right. It, It's just weird to me that the Vulcans sat back, and you see that even then, when um Ambassador comes on board the ship, he's telling to Paul, "You get out of here because <laughs> these people are in danger." Nothing yeah. like the Vulcans are helping. It's like you need to get out of here because they're wiping out the humans.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So Matt says that it sounds like Enterprise really got better after he stopped watching, and Matt seasons three and four are phenomenal. So I would encourage you to go watch them after you do your rewatch of Voyager, and I. <laughs> just want to. Uh, I just want to. Uh, I have one little thing to say to Sharon. It's been a long road <laughs> long <laughs>
2: from
3: getting here. from there to here.
2: I must be. The only, am I the only one in this? In this like thing that who song. Really likes that. I like it too. No, I, I enjoy like it. it. I like
3: but, it fine. Oh, you don't like it? No, no, no. But here's the thing, though. So in, uh, in seasons one and two, it's sort of like a. It's got a, it's the the tempo is the same, but the feel is slower yeah. and a little bit darker. and yeah. it's more orchestral. And yeah. then they decided, hey, for season three, we should change the arrangement of the song. And they make it sort of peppy and sort yeah. of fancy as you're yeah. going into like the situation where your planet is about to be wiped out of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it does but nothing at all change to change
0: the music for season three. Well, yeah, you know, they
3: don't. But because I, I they don't for the Voyager. Time. But uh, yeah. but they still did it at a time when the show is
1: getting much darker. Yes, and, they, yeah. and they go lighter with the song, which is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, and the song always had that problem. It, I mean, you didn't right. always get a dramatic sting on Voyager or, a, right. or on Enterprise. You didn't always get a dramatic <laughs> intro. But when you do, you have that dun-dun-dun. <laughs> it's been a lot. You know, and it's just a, it's, yeah, it's exactly. a tone. It's It's you know? so weird. Yeah.
2: Sharon, is that an alien language for I love it? Arrgh! Exactly. (laughs) I thought it was a well-done show. I thought, as you said, Alan, I thought Jalene Blaylock did some of her best acting in this episode. Yeah. Um, I thought that as much as you're going to do a memento type of show, they did a really good job. I like the little touches, such as the the village or the encampment where Archer and them were living. You could tell they were made out of spaceships, and she even said that later on. And I got to say... That goes in the top five of all Star Trek openings because uh, Archer wakes up, (laughs) punches out security guard. He says, I'm supposed to hold you here, runs into the bridge shirtless, and then watches the Earth destroyed. That was an amazing (laughs) opening.
0: Okay. I I had something I remember I wanted to say about Voyager. So we're going to go back (laughs) to that. Okay. (laughs) Just in time. I want to know. Why the heck Kess didn't just grab the hollow emitter and take it off of him?
1: Yep.
3: Well, I mean, that's certainly a point. She had
0: plenty of chances.
3: She had hands.
0: She yep. had hands. Even when he had her in his hand, she Good had her point. other hand. She reached there, grab it. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: What's he going to do? Nothing. He's gone. Good point.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Veronica, it's a good thing you're not a script writer because the episode would have been 20 minutes short. It's a good
0: thing I was not in the episode. I would have fixed that in two seconds.
2: Well, see, Veronica, when you say that, you bring up an issue I've always had, which is since the, the hollow emitter can float in space with its own yeah. anti-gravity field and et cetera, the hollow emitter shouldn't be visible on the surface of the Doctor. It should yeah. literally be inside his body, so you shouldn't be able to even see it and reach for it. But, right, like, yep. like, like Rimmer.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: totally, yeah.
2: totally. <laughs>
0: But then you can't cosplay with a hollow emitter magneted to your sleeve.
1: That's why he has
2: an H on his forehead. (laughs) Okay, Sharon's really doubly... (laughs) Charon's doubly bailed on this. Theme songs to Star Trek shows should not have lyrics.
3: (laughs) Tell that to Gene Roddenberry. Uh, 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 Thank you. That's how
0: you copyright it.
3: Unlike the original series. And then Uh, Matt says, I really think they wanted to change the openings after previous series with... Oh, of course they did. Uh, because everything that they tried to do with Enterprise was to make it its own thing, to make it yep. like yes. not be a Trek series, basically, which, you know, to the point I'm not putting Star Trek in the title for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but and, I, and I'm not opposed to the to the theme song. I'm not opposed. And I kind of like it, actually. But I just don't think that, t- that. I just don't think that the direction that they changed it for season three fit the tone of season three. Totally I think that. I think, especially for first season, it was great because you have right. that you have that like humanity leaving the solar system for the first time and going out yes. into into the unknown to see what all is out there. And this and that song really captured that. But to stick with it and then to change it into a more poppy sort of like you know country pop sort of like I don't, it just doesn't fit season three at all. It does not. It's I think so
2: bad. A- so um, bad. And Alan, um, everything you said, I agree with and double, double agree with it. Because the more I watch Enterprise, the more I, I truly love Enterprise, the series. Love that show. So I love the theme song. Mm-hmm. I love the boldness of not having Star Trek in front of the title, Enterprise. Uh, if you remember in the original season, they didn't even have things like um, Scott Bakula as Jonathan Archer. It would just say Scott Bakula. They were, they were trying everything to make it a different, a different show. I love almost everything about enterprise. Actually, the things I like less about enterprise are season four, when they did so many callbacks, not that I have a problem with the quality. (laughs) I wanted enterprise to be its own thing. So as much as I dislike a lot of the Zindi war, I like something new. So I thoroughly love this episode. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, I just, I, and when they said they were down to 6,000 humans left in the galaxy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's
0: like it, less than a city.
2: Exactly. You're right. Absolutely. Like a small city.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. And what would the future of the galaxy been without the human race? What would have happened with the Vulcans and the Andorians mm-hmm. and the Tellarites? And with the yep. Zendia become more aggressive? And then mm-hmm. we also know that way in the future, you were going to have the, the sphere builders mm-hmm. that were going to become yeah. a big problem. So destruction of humanity might have really to stabilize that quadrant of the galaxy for the future.
1: Yeah.
3: I, th- I think there should be a whole novel series that's based after this episode just mm-hmm. to explore yes. those very questions.
1: Yeah. agreed. Let's and plus see. they settled in the Seti alpha system. So they wouldn't have lasted more than a century. The whatever humans were left.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Why city alpha <laughs> five instead I, of city alpha six, the, the garden spot. I don't know. Well, Seti alpha five was the no, planet sorry, was the- and Seti alpha six exploded. Right. Oh, that's right. So they were on the right planet. Okay, right. No, my mistake. Yeah, I, I got them backwards, and I kept trying to go over that and over that and over that. You're worse I... than Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time, Keith. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it because I kept expecting Scott Bakula to leap somewhere.
3: Oh, I all oh, the time I,
2: travel thing. I would I love it, it if Scott connection. Bakula
1: had leaped. <laughs> <laughs> I love Quantum Leap.
2: I did like the that's end. A good joke. I thought. I thought they did great Trek action toward the end when the, when the yeah. reptilians boarded the ship Agreed. and all he knows, everybody else got shot once or twice and died and they shot Archer and then they shot him again. And then they shot him again. I thought that was great dramatic stuff. He that held is, on.
3: That is called determination. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I, I love the ending of that episode. Me I mean, I know it hits the reset button at the right. end, but I, I, I'm, a lot of people are opposed to the reset button thing and I'm not, I, I think that, mm-hmm being able to tell alternate stories is an important aspect of these yeah. kinds of shows. Well, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the reset button doesn't, bo- I'm sorry. I just jumped over whatever you were
1: saying. Can you continue?
3: No, no. I was just going to reiterate that. I think that this one, uh, even though it is a reset button does an important narrative thing for this season.
0: Mm,
1: yeah. And I, and I think it is the, the reset button isn't as, as annoying when you're 30 years in the future because you know it's going to reset like yeah. no yeah. no person watching this thought oh my gosh the earth was destroyed and now they're old what's going to happen next week you know like every person watching this episode <laughs> right knows exactly what's going to happen and right that, I mean, that's that's a downside of the old episodic tv as well sure i agree but I agree. you know but since you know it's going to reset the more interesting thing is how they're going to do it timeless was the same way i thought timeless was really good mm-hmm. yeah yeah
3: but, you know, that's one of the nice things about what Discovery did is that it did do that big forward mm-hmm. leap and uh, no reset button. Or if at least if there is one, it's not coming until maybe the end of season five. So yeah. it'll be a, a whole yeah. new surprise where it's like, you know, at the end of the episode, oh, we're just going to go back to, you know. And that's one of the things about um, the Voyager one um, that I love Tim- so much. Timeless? No, no, no. Oh. Uh, the the Hirogen one. No, no, no. The... the God, what the, hell? <laughs> the two-parter, season four. Oh, f- never mind. Forget it. Anyway, <laughs> it resets at the end.
2: Okay. Uh, the of, the, you're talking about the year of hell?
3: <laughs> year of hell. Thank year you. Year of hell. Yeah. Which yeah. I,
2: I love, love mm-hmm. those episodes. Me too. Y'all see the Facebook post? This is CT Alpha 5! I should do my hand and all this kind of weird stuff. Yeah. Love disco. Oh, there's a yeah. lot of the conversation we could have. The I show love- or the music? Yeah, exactly. I was just about. To, I was just about to break into some Donna
3: Summer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Excellent episode. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. watching that one. I don't get tired of uh, Twilight. Yeah. Really, really good episode. Me too. Yeah.
1: So, how do you think this batch of episodes compares to the previous batches of episodes we've done?
0: So, question: I realized as we were sitting here, mm-hmm. is there not a 60th episode of Discovery?
1: No. No.
3: Really. Nope.
0: But we nope. oh that's right because they're they're short. They only do
3: thirteen a year. Yep. Yeah, I they're very short. Why. I was like, yeah. but we're
0: into season four, five. Yeah. I can't remember why <laughs> these were in season three. I forgot because they're like a third the size. That's right. yeah,
1: they're like ha- half the length of a season. So yeah, so yeah. I mean, the sixtieth episode of this, and you you have to get like six seasons of of discovery to get there. Yeah. <laughs> um. Exactly. Okay. So, how do you think this this batch of episodes compares to the batches of episodes we've done before?
3: I, I didn't know that I was going to have to remember what the previous patches episodes <laughs> were so I can't
1: answer that
0: question. I feel like yeah. we all en- we all enjoyed all of these more.
1: I think so. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the I think these are stronger. I mean, it's not, look at the I mean, you got the high ground versus yeah. that episode with the embo jitsu. You know? Oh god. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's oh, the okay, well, we're talking about between the terrible yeah, uh, in 20 episodes time, and I think that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That alone answers the question In <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think we like these better. Although oh,
1: none boy. of them are as good as Tubics. Yeah. No. No. Well, do
3: well, not good, but <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it doesn't spurn off as much discussion as Tubics. <laughs> yeah. True.
2: So what was everyone's fave episode of this block that we watched?
1: Ooh. Uh um, I'll go Heart of Glass. Part of, of, Ston? of, of stone, part of I, I'll just listen to Blondie. I don't song, know. Speaking of disco, part <laughs> of, of stone, part See, of stone. this is why Keith is just introducing the episode title. Go along.
0: I'm, I'm with, I'm with Chuck.
1: Yeah. Wow. Is but that because all, of the nog? Of course, that's yes. because of it's nog. It's because of nog, but I also uh, I like. I mean, I like the Odo storyline. You know, I don't okay. I don't like them much when they're going on dates as a couple that a couple Ooh. doesn't work as much for me. But Ooh. the fact that he's has <laughs> feelings for her and is is grappling with that. I, I right. just love that whole storyline. I think it works really well. Mm. Cool. I'm I'm gonna say Twilight, okay. even
3: though even though um Is There in Truth is so good. And I, I, yeah. I really love it. Yeah. Um I think that Twilight is just exceptional.
2: I agree. Uh, Twilight was is my favorite. It has just great acting, great action, and and guys, y'all listening, they will tell you, I'm always complaining about how Star Trek has too much time travel. Yeah. And I, then I always say some of the best episodes in history of Star Trek have been time travel. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's why they keep doing them. Yeah. I, I love Twilight. I love the way I love everyone. I love seeing Malcolm older with the beard. I love Trip in, in command. I love thinking about the things like the love affair between trip and to Paul is gone because Paul is fallen in love with Archer it's um, mm. I love the fact that the human race possibly being destroyed. It, it's a really good episode, and again, since I watched the Zendi arc, it means a lot to me. You know what? I just thought of a comment that
3: I should have made earlier, but the What's that? The, the, the sad thing about um, Travis is that he gets killed off at the beginning of this episode, and it you don't even notice. Like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't impact the episode at all. No. Had Chapal yep. been killed at the beginning of the episode, you would notice her absence. Yeah, right here, right poor here. I wrote old that. Travis. See it right there, Alan?
2: I wrote that. <laughs> Travis died, and nobody said anything.
3: <laughs> Travis died. Nobody cares. <laughs>
2: yeah, but then
3: oh, the bridge. So but
2: then the bridge blew up, so everybody died on the. Oh, bridge. right. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. All your image. Oh my gosh, was that awesome or what? Boom! There you yeah. go. That Dude, the was the first time amazing. I watched that episode. I was like, Holy cow! The whole. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can see inside. Yes. <laughs> I was like, first of all, that's a strong argument for the stupid placement of bridges on these ships. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yes. That's off topic. So, so uh, did we get everybody's so, favorite?
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Heart of Stone and uh, Twilight. Okay. Awesome. And, and how about your favorite actor? Who who, who stood out most to you in, in these uh, grouping of
0: episodes? Aaron Eisenberg.
2: Yeah, Aaron Eisenberg was really good.
1: -hmm. Um hmm. That's a good question.
2: That is and I Well while you guys are uh, thinking I'm gonna go, for me, the one who really stood out, although I think Diana Moldar did a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. The one who stood out for me was Jolene Blaylock. Yeah. And and I I was torn between those two for my picks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I think I have a soft spot for Jolene Blaylock as an actress, the same way I came to like Jerry Ryan is they were brought in with obvious intentions to sex up a role and they're really good actors. And Jolene Blaylock, the subtlety, as you mentioned, Alan, especially in three and four, the subtlety that she starts portraying as a Vulcan. Yeah. And the subtlety, she starts portraying as a Vulcan who has feelings for Trip. And then she has yeah. the whole, she has so many issues with the enforced mind mill that gives her yeah. issues. And then when she gets yeah. exposed to the, was the Trillium D that gives her yeah. basically a drug addiction. She's a really, really good actress. And in this episode, the, the emotion and the feeling she has, she's basically in love with Archer. And thinking about every day, she has to tell this man that uh. Earth was destroyed every single day right and also she's in love with him so i thought she did a phenomenal job so she stood out for me with aaron eisenberg close second
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so since you went with jolene and i was torn Mm -hmm. between the two i'm gonna go with diana moldauer i i I just think she's amazing and i loved her in that episode and i thought that she brought such a, a a really like serene sort of complexity to that character that i really loved Mm-hmm. She's a good actress. Yeah, um, she is. She was the president of the Screen Actors Guild for yeah. quite a
2: long time. Hmm. Alan, what you say reminds me of a quote I saw at Diana Mulder. This was probably in the years when she was on L.A. Law. and oh, she right. was, I forgot about that. Yeah, and she was talking about one time she had just, something was going on. It might have been one of the, an upcoming anniversary of, of uh, Star Trek, the original series. And she said she hadn't watched the original series episodes since she'd done them. And when she looked at them, she said she was pleasantly surprised at how good she felt she'd done in the oh, two awesome. episodes she appeared in. That's pretty
0: rare for it. an actor to say that. I agree. <laughs> yes, I think she's.
3: I think she's wonderful <laughs> in both of those episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I do too. She I has a great her. presence
1: about her. Yeah. yeah. For my favorite of the actors this uh, this week, I'll say uh, René Redzepi, because I think that he did a great job. Not only playing Odo being Odo, but Odo desperate and increasingly desperate and yeah, just mm-hmm. trying to save Kira and then working it out and then confessing his feelings. And I think he just he took Odo through a gamut. And often Odo is very gruff and to the point. So it, yeah. it was yeah. great to be able to see him just break out of that and really play Odo in
2: anguish. Yeah, that's I a agree. good one. good yeah, pick. I agree. Um and then it's sometimes it's the exact same per- thing, but it's not because you can have your favorite actor, but different scene. What would be your most memorable scene in the block? To something that just stood out to you? Oh well, I think we're all
3: going to pick the same one. Yes, are we?
0: When Nog you, puts money on the table?
3: No, no. Oh, okay. We're not oh, okay. Pick the same Go one. For no, it. because I was I was going to say it's Nog telling Picard. Or, sorry, <laughs> telling <laughs> Cisco that that whole like spitting out that whole reason for why he yeah. wants to go to start. That was so good. Yes. Oh man yeah. that, that's
1: a yeah, it's, I would think
3: it's the most
0: great, but I but the the th- nice thunk. It's not the yeah. scene. It's that image yeah. that okay. sound. Yeah,
2: yeah. Man, and folks that's a forehead that's someone who loves Ferengi. So
0: for Veronica, yes. that
2: was a that was a quintessential
1: Ferengi moment. <laughs> I, I said the most memorable for me um, is the the crazy because I remember this since I was a kid. The, mm. the crazy fisheye lens going crazy <laughs> on the bridge scenes when everyone's arms are extra long. That's and that I mean, that sticks in your mind when you see that when yes. you're ten years yep. old. That's yes. true. That's true. And, that, yeah. and that's so far out of field from what Star Trek usually had done the original series. Because, I mean, early in the series, you had very creative directors that tried unique camera angles and unique camera tricks. Yeah. But they always went over budget and got fired, and never came back. <laughs> and so you have the workmanship <laughs> direction for a lot of the show where that's you have, you don't see the roof of the bridge. You don't, you know, you don't yeah. see a lot of interesting yes. camera tricks. Right. And in this episode you do. Uh, Ralph Sineski, for whatever reason, just got to go nuts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was that the Very. first time they were ever in engineering? No.
1: Okay. no. That's season three. They've been engineering plenty of times.
0: <laughs> but I, I don't remember seeing that a lot of that particular shot. A engineering? Lot of times. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, they've been engineering. Oh, you talking about from up the top or you're just engineering at all?
0: Uh, like from up top and being able to see that giant.
1: Oh no, you'd and... seen that before, but a unique shot in this is when you go into the bridge and you're looking yes. up, and you can see the bridge yeah. dome. Yeah. And yeah, you don't often get to see that bridge dome.
3: Right,
2: right, and and they, exactly. And they also positioned the camera from over. Ne- I think the camera was at one point was positioned from near Spock's science station, looking back the other direction. Yeah, 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 here. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I, I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Loved it. Okay. I can't be too original, but I'm going to have to agree. For, and I have a tie. The most memorable dramatic scene was Nog's confession to Cisco that he he doesn't want to be like his father and that this, mm-hmm. just really heartfelt scene. And then the other one for me, Charles, the tie for the one that was kind of silly was when uh, Miranda was trying to bring Spock's mind back. And she's reaching over, and her arms get real long and his arms get real long. Mm-hmm. And then they show these weird angles up on her face. And then they show Carlos's, uh box. I mean, I watched this show as a child, and let's just say at that time, I was also watching things like um, The Monkees, HR Puffin Stuff, Sigmund and the Sea Monster, The Bugaloos, and this just fit right along because it was oh, yeah. a real trip, man. But we're you just, know, they, they did some fisheye lens. My, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say they, did, they also did some
1: fisheye lens tricks in First Contact, and that was a, a movie oh, yeah. in the 90s. So, I mean, right. it, it's a trick yeah. that works. Um, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Go ahead Alan. I was just gonna say that Keith just named my
3: entire childhood television watching. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: it was so all of that.
3: Why did why did Spock have to wear the little visor when he's transporting uh, the box and the girl in and out? Well, he I think he he was expecting
1: Carlos to just beam up,
3: but she was
0: wearing it too. Yeah, well, I know
3: that.
1: So, so I guess for safety. So if that box opens, you gotta case you gotta be prepared. In case the box doesn't materialize. Yeah.
2: with Okay, yeah. that what makes if sense? it falls
1: over, I don't know. I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar.
2: Well, and at the end, was Spock doing kind of an emotional thing where he put the visor on for a second when he beamed them out and then he took it off? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, assuming this is
3: still Matt, uh, this is exactly a point that I had intended to make when we were talking about the episode and I forgot to. Me too. But season three does catch a lot of flack and I was so happy to see a third season episode that we could uh, feature this week. That's so good. And is sort of a, you know, cause you always think spectacular first season, a really strong second season, and then season three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. And other than like enterprise incident, I, I was so glad to see a, a season three episode. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we got to talk about yeah, this. Like one. the impasse.
1: Yeah, oh. yeah 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 <laughs> oh, i know, Keith, I know Keith. <laughs> but, and i want to point out that the the itic which is still a right. big symbol for star trek is introduced in this yes. episode yes. yes. i totally. yeah. was yes i forgot about the, that the infinite diversity and instrument combinations is something that is, i mean that they harp they harp on that a lot through social media and that's that the philosophy of star trek yeah um but and that also it only exists because gene roddenberry wanted to sell replicas to lincoln enterprises of <laughs>
2: course <laughs> wow Absolutely amazing. Well, real quickly, we have one more thing we're going to say. So real quick as we're hitting an hour or hit an hour was how did looking back on these shows that remind you of the old track and the older track? How does how does that compare you think to the new track? Um, Have things changed so much so that it doesn't feel like track now? Are there are the differences in how they treat subject matter mm. so great that you feel the old track is not even as relevant in some ways? I don't feel that way. Oh, well, I, no. uh, I don't I think mean, any of us mean It's
0: like did. comparing any sci-fi of the 90s to any sci-fi of today.
3: The well, 90s, she says.
2: I know, I thought that too. <laughs> I'm thinking 60s. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: I think most of these were like 90s. Early 90s to, to very 80s,
1: early 90s. 80s. I think a lot of the character stuff, I like better mm-hmm. the way they did it back then. I think, like, for instance, yeah. you know, we, 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 we've we talked a lot this season on Discovery about a lot of emotional scenes, you right. know, and a lot of talking scenes. And you have both of those in yeah, Heart of Stone, but yeah. I think they resonate better because you have more time. You have more episodes with the characters, you know. So when Nog starts crying and Odo starts crying and have breakdowns, I think it it really works. But yeah. also it really works because it doesn't happen four times in every episode. Yes. You know, it's 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 a rare when Odo breaks down crying, you're watching the screen because Odo doesn't break down crying. Exactly. You know I mean? yes, Right. Um I think
3: another big difference is that uh is the the pacing. Um, you know, in the 60s you had an A story, mm-hmm. and it wasn't called an A story because it was just a story.
0: Right in, yes.
3: in Next Gen, the one that we watched is basically one plot. Um, mm-hmm. you get A and B stories later on, but then in the modern shows, a lot of times you have an A, B, C, and D story. We have had discovery episodes where there has been four plot lines going on. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the pacing and the lack of time that you get with each character, that's what compl- you've got so much going on that you can't really divest time into every one of them mm-hmm. and, and have every one of them come out satisfactorily, I guess.
0: Yeah. And that's not
3: necessarily so. criticism because I do love disco. All right. You all know that, but mm-hmm. that that is a ma- a big difference. Yeah. Uh-huh. The amount of stuff yeah. that they're cramming into each episode.
2: Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I I because I, I, I agree with that, too, because the uh, original series episodes especially were much longer. It was several minutes oh, yeah. longer than they are nowadays. But at yeah. the same time, they also tended to have just one plot. So they're much more densely written. And also, and this may sound like a prejudice. I, I, I hate saying things like this, but I also still feel that. In a lot of ways, I don't think writing on Star Trek has ever really hit the same scalar heights as the original series in a lot of ways. And I think some of that is because so many of the people like Rottenberry and all these people, they were they were television writers, and they'd grown up on certain types of dramas and dra- dramatic movies, and they had so much input from people like Robert Block. And some of the same people who worked on the original series worked on Outer Limits and Twilight Zone and Planet of the Apes. And world war ii movies and i there's a there's a there's a type of dramatic death that the original series has that i don't know that they've really captured as well Mm -hmm. since then in my personal opinion that i like and married to the better pacing in some ways it still feels like a more satisfying experience even when they are still dealing with weird things like all the sexism that they still had in the 60s
1: yeah to, to give you an example of something I think the, sh- the new shows do better is if, like, for instance, tomorrow, if Earth explodes on Discovery, yes. I don't – I believe them. I don't think they're going to go back in time and change it. Yep. Agreed. Uh, whereas Agreed. Yeah. in the 90s, if Earth explodes, you know, like, okay, <laughs> right. how do they get out of this one? <laughs> right. Earth's going to be better by next week, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's going to be it's... better. <laughs> I mean, back then, you didn't kill, kill off your main character, mm-hmm. so if one of them got hurt – right. Oh, yeah. no, they're going to be fine. Yep. Gonna be back right. next week. It's fine. They're not yeah. going to kill off the main characters, the main ship. Right. I mean, even like the B characters, they're not going to kill them off for the most mm. usually.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, unless,
1: unless um, it's yeah. a contract problem.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Any, any final thoughts about that before we wrap it up?
3: This is fun. Enjoy every yeah. one of them. This was fun. Yeah. Let's do it again at 80. <laughs> then we will we will awesome. 20,
1: uh, about 20 weeks from now we'll be doing Whoa. this again. So I'm the gonna... original s- the excuse me, the original series drops out then. That's true. it yeah. does.
3: Yeah. We miss it by one week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. And so we're it's fascinating, the, uh... isn't it? Maybe we should just do the 79 ones then.
0: That's what I was
1: gonna, I was gonna say. We should <laughs> no, one. I, I think it, I we think it's good that it of... Because I'm not gonna try that hard to include the turnabout intruder. No, <laughs> that's true. You have a good point there. <laughs> uh all right well thanks everybody for listening and for everybody who who joined us in the chat now this will be going out as well on our podcast uh not this coming monday but the following monday um so if you know if if you liked it enough to listen to it too that's gonna be your (laughs) opportunity now if you're watching on the screen you may notice that that alan and i are twinsies tonight we have matching shirts on and if you want to match us too uh check out the eso podcast network um uh, t public account because this logo is available on a T shirt and I think you can get it on other things also. I haven't looked into that, but there's can,
0: there's tons of stuff. Can't you can get,
1: get it on, on mugs? Yeah, you can get
0: it on any uh, color shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's so really you can have on a Earth Station shirt.
1: Trek the T shirt, Earth Station Trek the beach towel, Earth Station Trek the coffee mug. <laughs> it's all there for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh baby, That's all funny. right, Alan. Where can people find more of you on the internet? Well, I have another podcast
3: on the Earth Station One Network called Modern Musicology. It explores uh, pop and rock music from the 70s, 80s, 90s, some 60s, some aughts. Um, We go into all kinds of things. Our next episode, we're going to be talking about our five favorite opening tracks. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a countdown. We've got a guest coming on. It's going to be fun. And then I also have my little publishing company called CosmicPress.com. K-O-Z-M-I-C-Press.com. Go visit and buy a book.
2: <laughs> and how about you, Keith? You find me on Instagram and on Twitter and on the Facebook groups, primarily ESL Network Facebook groups. And how about
1: us, Veronica?
0: Feltnerdy.com.
2: Yep, yep. Um, and...
0: Can we make the announcement?
1: Now? Not yet. Ah! Yeah. What? There's an announcement? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay. We don't have a release date yet, but no, go ahead. No, we don't
0: have a release date yet, but we're hoping for it to be up next week. So we have mm-hmm. a monkeys podcast coming oh, out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So, um, and who's it, the
1: host of this podcast?
0: Uh, I am the host. Veronica <laughs> is hosting
2: a podcast. Whoa. Um, yep. along with
0: Chuck and Elaine Sweatman. Yep. Um, we have started a monkey's podcast. We've recorded two episodes. Hope to have one out next week before mm-hmm. we go on our cruise that includes the remaining monkey. Yeah. That
1: way, if we get lost at sea, you'll have that one to listen to. Yes. <laughs> and, and what's the episode? What's the podcast called, Veronica?
0: Monkeying Around.
1: Yep. So if you wow. search for Monkeying Around on Facebook and Twitter, you can find it now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, we should have episode. Uh, we we hope to have one out in the next week, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> that is fantastic. I'm so excited, awesome. and I can't wait for you to invite me on as yes. a guest. Yep, yep. And Keith mentioned that he watches the monkeys when he was a kid too, so he's going to get roped in at some point as well. Yep, <laughs>
3: yeah. it, it's been <laughs> so a while. Can just, but yeah, <laughs> we just
1: have an Earth Station Trek
2: <laughs> monkeys monkeys <laughs> episode.
1: <laughs> hey, we could do a crossover. <laughs> Talk about check.
2: Look, right? we got a we, did it, we had a comment that just flashed by, didn't we? Oh, what was it? Hang on.
0: Oh, there was a flamethrower.
3: Oh, there's a hi. I don't know who that is. Uh, is that Matt? Hey, it Matt. Probably,
0: it was probably no? um, Elaine typing on Matt. Probably
3: so. Maybe so. And so one of the Yay. two of them says, Yay. Yay. And then it was a Earth Station Trek, the flamethrower. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's another on product people. that has our yeah. logo on it. I don't think We're they working have that on it. Oh, there. okay. Cool.
0: But you can get a sticker and put it on a flamethrower.
3: Hey. That's See, <laughs> there you that's go. Good. You that's just buy stickers
1: and you can turn anything into a. Oh. Oh, Elaine, Elaine says hi. And hi Elaine. You can hi, hear Elaine. Elaine on monkeying around with us when that episode comes out, hopefully in the next week. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh so the first two episodes, can you tell us what the two topics are or would you rather us not know? Uh no, well, the, the, the general getting to know you yeah. questions. Um, you know, how do we, how do you find the monkeys? Some favorites, some it's kind of like what we did when we were starting out the Earth yeah. Station trek. Uh getting to know who mm. we are and where we're coming from. Um, and then we're gonna plow forward after that. All right. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Do you a closing be. for us,
2: Veronica?
0: Uh, ooh, ooh, I had one. Alan said it, and I can't remember what it was. Did I? Yeah. You said something that was really funny, and...
1: You're just going to repeat that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Quick, yeah. Alan, what was funny that you said?
0: I don't know. It was about something about Everything making...
1: Everything I say is a comedic gem. <laughs>
0: it was something about making a copy of something and it being there. I don't know. It was really funny.
1: Earth Station Trek, the flamethrower. <laughs> <There> you, <go. laughs>
2: pew, pew. you can always just default back to meow. <laughs> there you go. A madman right. got us into this and it looks like only a madman can get us out of this. Perfect. <laughs> Boom. All right. So thank you everybody for watching.
3: We're out of here. See you around the galaxy somewhere um make sure you like and subscribe to our facebook page our twitter our other places whatever they other places may be and we will see you very very soon take care have a great night and- later
1: thank you for listening to earth station trek if you enjoyed the show please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform give us a positive rating you can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek@gmail.com. at gmail.com you can join in the fun on our facebook group or follow us on twitter you can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com.